0: Hello and welcome back to the Undercut Podcasts. I'm one of your hosts, Jesse Billington, and as always, I'm joined by my motley crew of F1 aficionados, Timo Albus Daly and Ellie May-Taylor. How are you both? I'm pretty good, thank you, Jesse Billington. How are you? Yeah, not doing too badly. We've just had a nice little chat about the feeder series from across the Bahrain Grand Prix weekend, so we've, uh, you and I are already hyped up, warmed up and ready to go. The question is Ellie May-Taylor, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. I've put too much moisturizer on my hands.
0: Perfectly normal activities there <laughs> from anime. Taylor, we'll move swiftly on from that one um, before we get completely derailed. Uh, we're back, of course, to review all the action from this weekend's Bahrain Grand Prix, as well as take a look at some of the news that's come out in the world of Formula One in the past week. With that in mind, I'm going to launch straight into what the hell has happened. And at uh, top of our list, Susie Wolf announced as the managing director for F1 Academy. Good news. Good news.
1: Yes, I don't think there's anyone better than Susie Wolfe for this role. Obviously, she's previously a racing driver herself and was a development driver for Williams and then became the team principal and later CEO of the Benchiri Formula E team before it was then merged with Maserati at the end of last season. So she's got both that racing background and management backgrounds. So hopefully she can combine that knowledge into her new role and hopefully really drive pardon the pun this new racing series into a really successful one that will actually break the glass ceiling and get more women into a higher series of motorsport both on and off the track
2: She's crucially also responsible for the dare to be different campaign which has been incorporated into the fia girls on track activities yes. over the past few years as well so for these younger drivers coming up through the ranks in oh what is it oh yes f1 academy it's perfect
0: I mean, I have nothing more to add to this. Perfect choice for the role. There's, I have no qualms with it. Absolutely nailed it. Spot on. There's nothing more to say about it, really. She is A-grade for the job. Hopefully she um, changes we'll the calendar I will just ask her if she's listening
2: to, yes, to, to change the calendar, please.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Please change the calendar. Please put it on F1 weekend so it's easier to watch and doesn't clash with everything else. And they get to race on to proper circuits and get to be linked with F1 teams like they've said they're going to do. To be
2: fair, in an interview with Formula 1, she did say she wanted to see more of that on the same weekend, supporting Formula One. So I think this year is very much because she's come into it kind of late when After everything's already calendar. been kind of established. She's there in a, an observation role in a lot of ways to see what works and what doesn't. So hopefully we'll get to see a proper impact of what she is bringing to the table in 2024, which will then hopefully be a much nicer calendar if nothing else.
0: Mm, Written foremost in her notebook and circled aggressively in Byro many times is better calendar. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. But again, perfect person for the job and all the best to her because I think she's got a perfect opportunity to really make a very good difference and there is some brilliant female talent starting to move up through the worlds of karting and F4 that hopefully this series will do a good job of picking up. And I keep
2: predicting the drivers accurately, so, you know...
0: Again, we've got some good drivers already lined up for it, so hopefully they find a few more and fill out those remaining grid slots. Um, Qualifying went well, Uh, the regular style of qualifying, that is. Um, Then it went a bit dull. Q1 and Q2 were amazing with some blistering pace from drivers we weren't expecting it from, only for the Red Bulls to then cruise their way to a front row lockout. Worrying signs of things to come? Question mark, especially with Ferrari's Charles Leclerc tapping out and not doing a final run, although this was possibly strategic to try and preserve some soft tyres for the race. Um, not that it did him much good because that yeah, out, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: He then took a new say. electrical element ahead of the race, and that didn't do him any good either. So eh, eh, for Ferrari, mm. um, tire control proved to be a valuable part of the race, and it was Perez's ability to make his softs go as far as possible that proved valuable to force the Ferraris to burn through their fast their, their tires faster than they'd want to, working to cover both Alonso and the Red Bulls with the pit stops. So immediately, that fresh Ferrari spit, um, sort of strategy wall being up against it with a very competent Perez and an Alonso that was a lot closer than anyone anticipated. Including will, Alonso. Yeah.
1: I will say as well with, you know, tyre control being a huge element that which is obviously something Ferrari has struggled with last year too, but I think that ultimately shows how important aer- aerodynamics are to not just producing a fast car, but one that is kinder to its tyres which is especially important on a track like Bahrain, which is harsh on its on the tyres. Even in qualifying, those soft tyres won't completely last a whole of one lap.
0: Hmm. You're coming through sector three and those soft tyres, if you're on a big push lap, are pretty much burnt out. You're sending it into the final turns. Was it like 14, 15 at that point? And just sort of hoping the front end's going to stick and not wash wide? It's the Shropshire, Shrop, uh, Shropshire Granite. Try saying that after four lemon sherberts. Um, after none a Shropshire granite that's really quite abrasive as a surface. It's great for producing grip, but the problem is, especially as you load a tyre laterally through it, not necessarily through the direction it's rolling in, but across the sort of tire's width, you're really starting to chew out pieces of tyre. And even down in the feeder series, the amount of marbles that are being generated, was almost as bad as St. Petersburg, where it was, again, shredding tyres all over the shop. But yeah, uh, it was very harsh on the tyres and also proved to get quite bumpy where you've got tunnels under the circuit It's um, and general settlement of the sands means that where you've got those tunnels and the reinforced areas you've now got a slight ridge and a bump noticeably going into turn 1 and again coming into turn 10 I think it is where it's easy to unsettle the car Carlos Sainz certainly found that in qualifying where he, was it qualifying or one of the t- uh, practice sessions where he looped it
1: pre-practice free, free practice.
0: Mm. Yeah, just looped it on the brakes, took a bit too much curb, hit the bump, and just round it went. It was really nicely caught, and he kept it out of the gravel and the wall, but yeah, it proved to be a
2: tricky... Possibly an early sign of what's to come for a Ferrari this year, though.
0: Hopefully not. Hopefully not. But anyway, the race on itself... On a
2: more positive note, though, qualifying, can we just appreciate before we move on to the race? After Q one. Q1... Q1 the spread was 1.8 seconds between all 20 cars. We have not seen that since like 2006.
0: No, no the spread in qualifying one was 1.01 01 seconds. It was with everyone was damn near within a second. It was close.
2: Well, then be even more oppressed accordingly.
0: I am impressed. The problem was it sort of got mm. washed away a bit with Q3. Q1 and Q2, though, were fantastic. And we saw some drivers struggling against their chassis, and some drivers not at all. Nico Hulkenberg springs to mind there, coming and, out of and McLaren, I'm wondering should we have nowhere. built a chassis? Yeah, McLaren <laughs> that just might going, have helped our car. Uh, what have we done here? We just nailed F1 tires to a wheelie bin. This is not good.
2: It's it's a curious thing with McLaren. The last thing I will say on them for now, because I think someone poo poos on them later, which is fair enough. Um, I love how ambitious they're being. With we've got a former E team, we've got an IndyCar team, we've got an Extreme E team. And that's all to help complement our Formula 1 efforts. And the one thing they're then not good at is Formula 1. They're doing pretty damn well in everything else,
0: but Formula 1... Alex hmm. Pillow would argue otherwise in um, St. Petersburg later on that same day. Yeah, but Pato Award was P2, so it's all good.
1: Plus, McLaren Formula E team were Mercedes, so...
2: I'm trying to find a silver lining for the yeah. orange people. They don't have a lot to
0: cheer on at the moment. <laughs> and Paso Ward struggled with um, in that. He should have won that race, really. But He's still got P2. Weird...
2: Stop poo-pooing. Poo-poo later on the F1 team. Leave Indica alone.
0: Grosjean right. crashed by himself. Leave, leave Grosjean out of this. <laughs> anyway, back to the F1 race. Uh, the race itself was I don't know whether to call it dull or whether to call bits of it exciting.
2: If it didn't have Fernando Alonso, it would have been dull as
0: ditch water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Verstappen romped away to take home P1, Perez P2 pretty much, and doing usual Perez strategy of just make your tyres last or pit you when we need to then you'll catch up to Max because you've got good tyres um, then it all goes a bit haywire, whereas if, if you sort of fell into a coma around 2016 and then reawoke to Formula 1 now, and someone told you that Fernando Alonso was coming home comfortably P3 in a Grand Prix, you'd sort of think what the hell has happened here? In an Aston Martin Yeah, and an Aston Martin, you're sort of going, wait, what team was that? That's a racing point, what? That's a racing points back then, it was a Force India back then. (laughs) So all of a sudden, you've got to tell someone from 2016 that Fernando Alonso's on the podium at the first race of the season in a Force India, and there's a bit of someone's brain just sort of going, oh, that doesn't make sense.
2: I'm going to make it make less sense in a second because it ties nicely in with my fun fact because Perez got his first podium with Force India in 2012 in Malaysia, which Alonso also shared with him. And now Alonso's got a podium with Perez in what is essentially a Force
0: India (laughs) 11 years later. 11 years later, uh, Alonso's 99th podium and his fifth different team to get a podium for.
2: Although fifth is a stretch, no? Because they're counting Renault and Alpine as two different teams. Are they? I know it's certainly the... On the F1 graphics, they are.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know. It counts as a different team. Would you call Racing Point of Force India different teams? Yes. Okay.
2: Yes. Oh, hang on. No.
0: No. I'm editing this. It's fine. (laughs) No, you're leaving that in because it's funny. But anyway, yeah. But he's also done it like with like three different engine manufacturers as well. He's done it with Honda all of the ones in the hybrid era now. Yeah, every engine in the whole hybrid era. So again, this guy is just here to sort of just collect the badges he didn't get previously. It's, but I I reckon he's pushing for more than just getting that that sort of hundred percent completion statistic because he. We was... need
2: him because if we don't have Alonso this year doing Alonso things, we're in for an
0: incredibly dull year. I reckon. Yeah, we're going back to the years of Vettel supremacy at Red Bull, where it's just sort of, not much else happens. <laughs> no. I mean, we it had is...
2: signs in P4 settling for that, which I'll get to later. Hamilton P5, Mercedes not going the way they wanted to. He was optimistic about everything, which was more than being said for Toto and George, so at least one of them's cheerful, but again, it's not where we wanted to see them. And as nice as it is to have that jump up from Aston Martin, because I loved the battling there with Ferrari and Mercedes, and you can't not love volando's team radio particularly going past signs We're like oh cool bye bye <laughs> yeah or it him was just... battling
0: against hamilton and then coming out and going this is a really nice car yeah and all, and yeah because he, he, it, it, he likes battling hamilton and there's a there's a little bit in him that really likes battling hamilton
2: yeah very much so and i think as much as the the jump from aston like i say is, is excellent it's still frustrating because we want to see that with all the teams we don't want to just see that in the midfield. We want to see those cars be able to, if we're sacrificing Mercedes, we want Aston Martin to be then being able to challenge Red Bull. We don't want to just be fighting for that third step on the podium whilst Red Bull go and just win everything because that just means that technically the regulations work, but also they don't work at all.
1: I think you've got to be annoyed though if you are Mercedes because yes, they are doing well, but Aston Martin are doing better and Aston Martin have your engine in their car. That engine's meant to be designed better, well, better suited to a Mercedes than it is an Aston Martin, yet yeah,
2: sort of I think that's because the Aston Martin, though, is essentially an Avengers-style car in that it's taken the best bits of all the other cars and just glued them all together and it worked somehow. Because um, obviously you've got little bits of Ferrari in there. You've obviously got a lot of Red Bull in there because you've got Adrian Newey's uh, protégé. Is
1: it Dan Fellow?
2: doing the design yeah. work for them. Yeah. you Mercedes stuff in there as well. So it's kind of like, somehow, they figured out how all of these fit together, and then they thought, we've got nothing to lose here, so let's just try it and see what happens. And to quote Gunther, you look like an absolute fucking bunch of legends.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's basically a green-red bull with a Mercedes engine in it, which isn't a terrible combination to have, because the Mercedes powertrain this year isn't bad, it's just their chassis and aerodynamics that are letting them down. And I think Toto Wolf rental record, is saying, yeah, we're, we're scrapping this one. We're, we're immediately looking at the next one again because this one's not good, boys. So, yeah, it's not a good time. interesting to see Bradley. what they
2: do moving on for the rest of the year because that's going to be a long year if they decide to abandon it completely. They've got to do something with it, but what but and how point? and when? Well, because, you can't, because
0: Because if they're changing the design radically, there's nothing they're going to be able to carry over. I suppose, the, I
2: mean, they're not going to not fight, but... I suppose the lower down the constructors they are, the better in some ways because you get more time the wind for time the title, which is what they need. Yeah, if they're going back yeah. to a clean sheet of paper, they but you well also know that George English. and Lewis are not going to not race hard and fight no. for everything. So no, they're gonna, it's weird.
0: The drivers are going <laughs> to race hard for everything, but the team isn't probably going to throw as much into development as it in reality could. Because essentially what it will do is it will drag it down the constructor's pecking order, get it a bit more wind tunnel time. So when they go for their completely clean sheet design and go, what have Red Bull done again? And to go from there, that's when we'll see the Mercedes probably come back into the fore. And Ferrari will still be struggling trying to figure out what to do with wet tyres when it starts raining. We've we've forgotten something. What have we forgotten? You left Charles in Bahrain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> looking at a gap Carlos Sainz and Antonio Giovinazzi waving at them from the back of the garage hello I'm here oh no but
1: the problem is is the the first rule of well the, the yeah, first rule, the first, first
2: fight,
1: rule club. the first rule of Adrian Newey school club whatever you want to call it
0: Adrian is...
2: Newey school is... try that again <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you'll know what I mean um, is that you shouldn't scrap your initial thoughts, you should build upon them, otherwise you're starting from scratch every single time mm. and what's the point?
0: But they've tried to build <laughs> on that and they are, if anything, slower. They're now struggling against one of their customer teams and Ferrari had more pace than them when the car was working. So they've now been essentially relegated to the fourth team on the grid. They've taken, a se- a, grid-wise, a step backwards. Lance Stroll is capable of beating them. You've got to accept that the changes they've made to that chassis are not good. They're not going to completely scrap it. They're obviously going to keep a note of what they've done to make sure they don't do that again. But at this point, you, you have to accept that that no-pod or very slender vertical side pod is not a design that's working. And I think it's one of the things, reasons. though, as
2: well, the silver lining that they can take from it is that regardless of what they do for the rest of the year, if anyone can find a way to salvage it, they are going to have that right attitude for being able to salvage the most they can out of it in the same way that Aston Martin will push and push and push as much as they can, which is something that a team like Ferrari just doesn't have. It doesn't appear to because they just seem content with what, they haven't like, eh, this is fine. Like, no, we've got to keep pushing this and Toto's angry. So they're going to make sure that they can try and extract everything they can out of it. If they don't manage to do it, then fine. But you'll know that all the effort will have been put into trying to make that happen at least. So by the end of the year, you'll know that they. it wasn't just a case of this is crap, we're scrapping it. we like, okay, yes, we are. But also we're going to try and throw everything at it because we need to try and see the, what we can do with this just in case there is something we're missing. And we can build upon that, maybe.
0: There's certainly a balancing point between what's worth throwing at it and equally how much you still learn from it. You're going to learn a lot about the tyres, about qualifying strategies, about also how the other teams are racing and what what certain elements of the car do in different styles of air, whether it's clean air, dirty air, hot, dry, wet, cold. And there's going to be a lot to be learned from the car. And the team is, the actual like racetrack side team and the drivers are going to be pushing to get as much from the car as possible. But when it comes to development, when it comes to working back in Brackley, those boys are already looking at 2024. I should think they are already going through a series of meetings going we're going to have to start not necessarily from the ground up, the sort of standard carbon tub and a lot of their suspension components are probably quite good. But when it comes to aerodynamics, they're going to have to start looking at changing their side pod design and then adjusting elements around that accordingly. Because alternatively, something doesn't work. You
2: have a lot of men in black suits walking into Aston Martin with sunglasses on, with a contract that points out a little clause that if you beat us for more than three races, we take over, we're Mercedes now, you can have Aston Martin, which is over here. (laughs)
0: They just simply swap. They are only about twenty-five minutes away from each other, base-wise. So... This is a
2: nice new Mercedes campus you've built. Thank you for that. We'll take that over.
0: Thank you. This, Goodbye. This makes getting to the Silverstone GP so much easier. Thanks for this, Lawrence. Uh, you you can go back to Brackley. It, I don't know. It's it's not a good time to be Mercedes fans. What is it, Timo? What is it like being a Mercedes I... fan?
2: It's challenging, but you know it's. Uh, I mean, we had we had eight good years, so I can't really complain. I mean, Elime, you're still working on getting your third. So, you know, you're still a bit behind, aren't you? And Jesse, when was the last one you had for Ferrari? Remind me.
0: 2008. 2008 yeah, you know what? It's not too bad being Mercedes yeah. a Mercedes
2: fan, actually. It's all right.
0: Yeah, but you're now experiencing that weird period of like having lots of dominance and then nothing all of a sudden, which Ferrari, as a Ferrari fan, used to. Really, really yeah, enjoyed
2: dominance I've, and then I've, nothing. I've, I had that with Red Bull back with Vettel and I was supporting literally any other team because I... I didn't care as much back then and it was just still pointless. So I've had nine times the
0: pain with really me on that one. So after Red Bull <laughs> dropped off, you just became a glory hunter. Yeah. Great. Wow. Oh, moving on from that, we're going to winners
2: and spinners. Don't try and kink shame me, Jesse Billington.
0: I will kink shame you at every goddamn opportunity. Uh moving on to winners and spinners. Timo, your winner, please.
2: Well, it's got to be Alex Albon. Man is good. Man is. Man is very good. First time Williams have scored points in Bahrain since Felipe Massa did it for them back in 2017, and he just put on a very nice little little show. And he's he's been saying to just about anyone who will listen to him after the race that everyone's focusing on Aston Martin being so good, and isn't that lovely for them? But Williams, he reckons, are the next best thing in terms of the progress they've made from one year to the next, and it's hard to argue with them to be honest. Because you had Logan Sargent in P12 as well, very solid first outing for him. Because we weren't sure really what he was going to do. We thought he would probably be at the bottom of the the rookie uh, threesome, for lack of a better word, in terms of who would who would do best in the first day. Trio first race of the season. is the word
1: you're looking for. Trio,
2: yes. But hey ho, I went for threesome. There we go, uh, <laughs> and. Very Do good I need to king shame you again? <laughs> <laughs> ah, Jesse's just so unsupportive of my lifestyle choices. Anyway, yeah, Alex Albon got a point first race of the year, and already has an eighth of the points that they scored in all of 2022. So hopefully, this can be a case of okay, yes, yeah, some DNFs did help them, but they also had strong reliability in the car. Their strategy was flexible, good race pace able to overtake and make up some places from where they both qualified because I wanted to have that trouble in qualifying that meant he couldn't really get out in Q2 properly. And it's just nice to see Williams doing well by their normal standards. And if this can be some forward momentum that we can use to push them forwards, then booyah.
0: Yeah, it's it's nice to see Williams make the step forward. And again, the fact that their rookie sergeant was able to extract decent performances from the car suggests that they've made a good step forward. And Alex does have a strong point when he says, Well, we're not at the front of the field, the percentage change we've seen compared to the year prior is a large change and a good change at that. So it's it's reassuring to see them make some make some good progress. And I don't think we're going to see them scrapping for points on the regular, but certainly a lot more than we saw from them last year. So, yeah, promising stuff. And I reckon we'll certainly see Sergeant points sometime soon.
2: I do have to ask you, though, Jesse, are you feeling all right or are you terribly under the weather?
0: Are you looking at my winner here? Yes. I, I'm feeling fine. Um, I think my winner from the weekend is Lance Stroll, and this class as you know, just...
2: then listener, he is not feeling well. He just doesn't know. He's delusional at this point.
0: You're gonna have to chuck me in the same loony bin that you ch- we chucked Fraser in for his predictions because I That's I don't fine. know, man. Uh, I'm look. Lance did really well, okay? He made some great moves on Valtteri Bottas, former teammate, um, and just performed really well, despite the fact that he was racing with a really buggered wrist, a second probably quite also buggered wrist, and a broken toe. And it's really funny to, you always think it's broken toe, oh, you've broken your toe, but they are really painful things to break, and it's a surprising amount of pressure you put through them, especially if you've ever tried to press an F1 brake pedal. If you've done the Silverstone Museum, they have a really good... um, Dummy brake pedals so I knew you can he'd find a achieve... way to make it
2: out of himself, anyway.
0: If you can, no, but so you can try and achieve 100% brake pressure on an F1 car. It takes a big push, and if you've got a broken toe, trying to put that energy through it is going to be painful. And yeah, for Lance Stroll being able to grit his teeth and get back on that bike, pun somewhat intended. Um, it's really impressive and a testament to both his work and the work of the physios and the team he had around them, some of which I believe he borrowed from Moto GP, who were no, who are really good at being able to put racers back together when they fall off bicycles.
1: I'm now wondering how I missed the brake pedal thing at Silverstone Museum.
0: It was in the interactive bit downstairs opposite where they had like all the bikes and cars lined up in that main hall in like the technology cove.
2: Technology Cove or kids Corner.
0: No technology Cove, this wasn't the kids corner. It was like the interactive zone.
2: Huh.
0: <laughs> Ellie uh, May, who's your winner for the weekend?
1: Uh, well they I'm sort of taking points from both of yourselves as I have two winners in Aston Martin and Williams. Um, Aston Martin, yeah, they've made the largest amount of development over the past year. if you think this time last year, they're what second or third worst card car on the grid, and now their thirdish best team on the grid, depending on
2: arguably second.
1: Arguably second if you take away maybe Ferraris.
0: It was Ferrari I was going for. Yeah. yeah, but you can't really discount Ferrari's reliability, so you you can rightly award yeah. Aston Martin that second place, and that's me saying to not dis or to include Ferrari reliability again.
2: To weirdly echo Jesse, Lance Stroll has more points than Charles Leclerc.
0: Both Ferrari Driver Academy drivers.
1: Well, essentially, yeah, but that's everybody- not how they planned that. <laughs> New.
0: <No. laughs>
1: Almost everybody, apart from I think maybe Oscar Piastri, is above Charles Leclerc right
0: now. Yeah, okay, my heart still hurts. There's no need to keep <laughs> rubbing salt into the wound. As strong as oh. I'm trying to appear on the podcast, <laughs> Oh, if, if, This'll still make still you hurt. feel better, Jesse. This'll
2: make you feel better. Roman Grosjean crashed.
0: I will find where you live, and I will end you if you raise that one more time.
1: I have his address if you want it.
0: Please send it. I oh, will we'll do.
1: <laughs> anyway, carrying on. Uh, if... Fernando Alonso, he had a standout performance, overtaking in areas of the track that aren't usually overtaking spots, such as the inside of Turn 10, which is an incredible difficult corner to not lock up when you're taking the racing line. So to go on the inside of Hamilton at that corner, taking a tighter line and making it work, it has to be some of the best driving I've ever seen.
2: You need to know as well that the driver you're going up against is not going to not see you as well and try and do something stupid there. So I think Part of it is like I can risk this because it's Lewis, and chances are he's going to be annoyed, but he'll let me. He won't fight it or try and take us both out.
1: But you also then as well have to trust the fact that your car is actually going. Oh, to yeah. turn and not just yeet Hamilton out with you. So although he probably wouldn't have minded that as much either.
2: As long as he <laughs> could have kept going, no. <laughs>
1: yeah, but uh, well, Lance Stroll as well. I think, yeah, to miss out on testing due to broken wrists or hairline fractures and broken toe, go through the intense rehab that you are to be fit-ish for the race, it deserves a round of applause. I mean, ignoring the mishap he had between him and Fernando at the start... He, he, which he probably
2: was... shouldn't have given himself a round of applause though he might bugger himself again for
0: Saudi. Really, really gently pat himself on the back.
1: A metaphorical.
0: I'm sure he can pay someone to pat himself on the back.
1: Yeah, ignoring that incident which was more of a racing incident than I think anything else. So I think he had a very strong performance to come home in six as well. And then, yeah, Williams, like you were both saying, I think they do have the second largest amount of development over this past year and are in a stronger position than I think a lot of people thought. I think Lone Sargent was unfortunate to miss Q2 as he technically did good enough a good enough time to get in as it was the exact same time as Lando Norris, but Norris had done it first, meaning that he was given them the last spot in Q2. Alex Albon as well was comfortably in Q2 and had some damage to the car, meaning he couldn't get it into Q3. But come race day, they both had such solid performance. And yeah, Alex Albon got one point in 10th and Logan finished in 12th, which cannot be scoffed up for your first race in a car that is usually out of the point. He's scored better than if, he got into a higher position than probably what Latifi would have
0: mm, so. I, I question whether Latifi would have been able to extract that performance from the chassis
1: yes I do too, as much as I love him mm. speaking of
0: Latifi it moves us nice, nicely onto spinners um, Timo
2: <laughs> yeah there's not much to say here I've got Esteban on, and I've simply written holy fuck <laughs> um, of all the records one wants to equal in Formula 1 Equaling Pastor Maldonado's record for most penalties received during a Grand Prix is not the kind of thing you want to do, especially at the start of a brand new season. I mean, I don't need to walk through what happened because we all watched it and laughed and laughed and laughed because you just couldn't make this shit up. And, it just, and then on top of all of the penalties to then after that have to retire. So you can't even get anything out of it. It was just... If you're Pierre Gasly, you think, you don't know what, my P20 qualifying looks, uh, it looks all right now, especially as I've got points.
1: Do you think Ocon was strategically saying, look, FYA, look at me. Don't look at my teammate who has almost the maximum amount of penalty points.
0: <laughs> He's acting as a blocker, like a distraction <laughs> yeah. technique. Just, yeah. hey, what's going on over here? What's going on over here? Go, 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 go. <laughs> yeah. He's got to keep that up till the end of May. It's a long time for Ocon to be doing that. He's not getting guy... points
2: for a while, people.
0: <laughs> for a guy he doesn't get on with. They said they're going to get on with each other in a professional and business sense, but they He's didn't say they were... going to be driving
2: were... around Baku the wrong way.
0: Yeah, they didn't say they were going to be friends. Uh, that's a big ask.
1: He's a team player.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whether yeah, he I...
2: likes it or not.
0: Ale le bleu, but my word, that's a big, big ask. Oof.
2: Talking a big asks, Jesse. How fucked a McLaren?
0: Very, 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 very indeed. Um, more so than I think Zach Brown or Andrea Stella would really like them to be, because they have got an uphill climb to go from. And as much as we joked about them coming into, was it? fp1 or testing where they immediately had to gaffer tape norris's like wheel spat back together no was
2: t- testing no way or back both, in testing probably.
0: when we were joking about them having to literally gaffer tape norris's car back together before sending him out and then finding that surprise surprise like 2022 they had brake issues and then At least sudden... they didn't
2: forget to put enough air into it
0: oh, oh wait. wait they did and yeah, then all of a sudden it de- it's it got a pneumatic leak. So all of a sudden they're suffering problems there and it's not shifting properly. And then all of a sudden you have a Windows update. Well, no, actually it wouldn't be. It would be a Chrome update, wouldn't it, on their car? It crashed um, anyway on Piastri's. Yeah, crashed on Piastri's. So literally you see them sort of yeet a new wheel at him. He slaps it on. And then you get this really <laughs> extravagant startup <laughs> process on the screen. And it's painfully funny, like something of the IT crowd just sitting there with Piastri just going... Okay, we, we we got some time here. And then they go, no, fuck it, back in the garage, it's not working. Um <laughs> The screen has, has, has a sad face on it. Yeah. Chrome.exe has quit unexpectedly. Oh dear. Um yeah, not 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 a good weekend. S- silver
2: them. lining for only May, Ricardo's probably quite happy. He didn't stay for another year with them.
0: He's been paid eighteen million dollars to not drive that car. What a deal. What a that's what gonna deal. say,
2: I'll take that deal. <laughs>
0: Imagine walking, into, imagine walking into Dragon's Den with that one and just going, I just want like 10% and 150,000 for this is my business deal, right? I don't do anything. I get 18 million pounds. And then you go, sure, you're, we're on. We respect the balls on you there. We'll yeah. give you the money. <laughs> That's a hustle um, and a half.
1: Imagine being Oscar Piastri. You had your seat at Alpine and you said, nah.
0: No, I I'm going to go them to, them to them McLaren, them. and then you look at Pierre Gasly going from P20 to P9 to P9, getting points, and thinking, "Shit, could have been me." Oh, and you well. look at Fernando
2: Alonso who got all the shit from Martin and Otmar saying, "You're making mistakes. You're making mistakes." Like, ah. am
0: I? Oh, worse still being Sebastian Vettel going, "I've retired from that," and all of a sudden you're going, "Oh no." Yeah,
1: in an in an alternate universe somewhere, Sebastian Vettel is still in that car. Actually, no, he's still at Red Bull, getting his like on his way <laughs> to his seventh title.
0: Yeah, this would be or him eighth on his... title. Well, he's got four. He would have obviously had the two Max had, so this would be him on his way to his seventh title, his Seven. Lewis oh. equaling title. It's Interesting. And Schumacher thoughts. equaling. And Schumacher equaling. Would he stop there to honor Schumacher? Ellie a... Schumacher got on well.
2: You were. Hmm. Well, yes, but can't help it if he equals
0: it, can he? No, he could equal it, but would you want to usurp him? He is the guy that you grew up idolising. Would you, would you oh, want to go no, beyond no.
2: that? I think he would just, he would help Alonso get up to seven then.
0: Ellie your spinner.
1: My spinner is Haas. I really thought they'd do better than that. Uh, Magnuson qualifying 18th. Obviously later then promoted to 17th after Galsy's 17th, time Yeah, mm. 17th after it was deleted. Uh, Galsy's time was deleted, which isn't great considering hulkenberg managed to get into q3 quite easily and if he hadn't got his lap time deleted would have probably been eighth or ninth rather than 10th but turned out that their one lap qualifying pace was a lot better than their race pace i mean they started magnuson on the hard tire which was the wrong call and he didn't get anywhere with a strategy like that because they decided to pit him at the same time as everyone else with the entire strategy of soft, hard, hard. So what was the point? And then Holkenberg was unfortunate to have that first lap collision with Ocol, which damaged his front wing. So he lost out on a lot of pace there at the start and it carried on then, the damage then carried on throughout the race, even when they changed his front wing, which equally then is just as costly because you're losing time changing that. He was unable to recover from that. So overall, it's not the greatest start from Hass, especially as they usually start a season quite well and fall as the season goes on.
2: Maybe they're doing a reverse Uno card and they'll do well in the second half of the season.
0: This is much more of a um Australia 2019, I want to say, where they finished the race with a double DNF because but the wheels fell off all their cars. Yeah, it, this so is, this finished is a in bit more quotation marks that. there. Yeah, finished at the side of the track looking very upset and looking like fucking wankers. Um yeah, this is yeah, someone's had to make a phone call to Gene hass Fuck, better go call Gene. Um, anyway, other there was... drivers
2: worth a mention, though. We've talked about Gasly, 11 positions to 9th. Sargent, we talked about as well, winning the rookie battle, which was a pleasant surprise from us, I think. Mm. Red Bull, we do kind of have to doff the cap to them a little bit with their domination. Jesse, you did have a word on Bottas.
0: Uh, I did have a word on Bottas and a good drive from him, really. Uh, qualified nicely and then just sort of hung around. It's sort of one of those weird nowhere races for Bottas in the Alfa Romeo. Um, I think the reason he did well was because he wasn't the T-feed so yeah, there are positives aggressive strategy as well with the tyres very aggressive strategy but again Bottas is the sort of driver you can expect to make an aggressive tyre strategy work and yeah proving that it pays off and it's enough to get Alfa Romeo I think off the top of my head because I haven't got the oh and I've got the notes in front of me right here uh, P5 at the moment in the standings and it's something that I think the other teams might be struggling to take off them if they can keep up this level of performance especially if Jo can really get up there as well and start challenging for points on a regular basis Alfa Romeo might be a bit of a—I don't want to say a dark Dark horse—but they could be a surprise. Yeah.
1: Well, you also have to think they compromised Joe and decided to pit him to take that fastest lap off of Gasly. So Alfa Romeo are thinking that they're battling with Alpine.
0: Yeah, again, you've got to love the balls on them for that. (laughs) But at the moment, it looks like they're going to be, and equally, if they're going to be sort of battling around that midfield, they're obviously while they knew that Alpine were one driver down, they could at least sort of muck around a bit with their second driver just to figure out and get some more data about what their car could do on an end-of-a-race push lap when it's hot, when its tyres are worn, when its brakes are worn, and find out what it can do. So this is possibly, as much as it might seem odd to have pitted Joe from that point, it's probably going to prove useful with the data they've gained in the long run. Uh, I'm
1: just going to say, being a midfield team as well, one point it's huge, especially as they were on, it was Alfa Romeo that were on the same points as Aston Martin last year, weren't they? But they, Because they got a higher position
0: Yeah, it was on count I think they um, yeah. they won something, yeah, they. it was dead close for a couple of the standings at the end of it and yeah, I think it was McLaren and Aston Martin were racing in Abu Dhabi and they needed Seb to finish in the points against Ricardo, so they could jump. A pl- so Aston Martin could jump
2: Alpha Romeo. I think that was the yeah. And I then felt. Stroll just came and ruined it for everyone.
0: Mm. But again, that's what the midfield can be like, where one point is the decider between teams. And if Alfa Romeo are figuring out how to collect those early on, this is a a good sign for what they believe their sort of constitution is at this point in time. So, promising stuff.
2: A team that didn't have a good constitution for me is Ferrari, because if they are going to be doing this for the whole bloody year, then I have absolutely no sympathy for them. They were happy with P3 and P4 at one stage, and were just thinking, you know what, that's okay. We won't push too much. And that's exactly why they're not going to win a championship or be the championship anytime soon. Because if you're Ferrari and you're going to be happy with P3 or P4, then Fernando Alonso or Mercedes few p- through pure Toto, just juicing up and pushing that car with super speed, will come past you and try and take those points away from you and will be more determined. So, if you're not willing to take the fight to Red Bull, then I'm not going to feel too sorry for you when Aston Martin and Mercedes come romping past you and you're wondering how the hell you're in P4. So, I think that. They've Fred's obviously not solved the issues from last year yet, and he's still very much observing, and that's fine, as long as he can make some changes before it's too late and he doesn't wait too long to implement those changes. I'm thinking somewhere between rounds three and four when you have that nice break in April would be a perfect time to start shaking things up a bit because you've got an idea then of what's going on. But if this is how Ferrari are going to be for the rest of the year, then uh, oh, you're in for a long wait, Jesse. 2026 the earliest, I reckon, for your next go then.
0: Yeah, it's it's not. I'm not optimistic, but uh, they could pull something out of the bag. I'm I'm hoping they do, and we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, no, Ferrari really.
2: optimism again. It I it's
0: it's two words that go together so beautifully. Um, and yeah, we'll so sadly
2: to... as well. <laughs> shh, shh,
1: shh. I will, I will use the exact same two words that I used when we did our last year season review for Ferrari,
2: which was pain in it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Talking about
2: predictions review, Jesse. We've been trounced immediately again.
0: <sighs> How do you do this? Like, have you ever contemplated buying lottery tickets or just like having a having a <laughs> little babble in betting? Because. I've I got one point, all right. I got one point for predicting. I think it was a Verstappen win, was what I predicted. Um, Timo, you got two points actually. I should be able to pull it up because it's one yeah, of my, Verstappen my and pole for me
2: and an Alonso podium. And Eddie May got pole, first, second, and third. Third,
0: yeah. Um, Timo, you were close with your. Madcap prediction of a double McLaren DNF, but they some... teased
2: me to hell and high water, the they... entire race of Norris. Yeah. So it was very... oh. Every time I was like, come on, go on, go on. Ah, uh, go, go, go on, go on, go on, uh.
0: Four points for Ellie Mae, two points for Timo, one point for me. We've got a nice, what's that pattern called? Um, when it happens in maths, when it doubles each time and it creates a uh, yep. like a, a swirl. Fibonacci um, sequence. That's the one Fibonacci sequence. See, all paid attention at school. Um, so. Aside from the Fibonacci sequence of, pre- of predictions results, uh, the constructors was a little more exciting. Red Bull leads after a double podium. Aston Martin in P2. Mercedes, despite the hatred of their own chassis, are P3. Ferrari are already struggling in P4. Alfa Romeo in a unique P5. Alpine in P6. Williams are in P7, and it'll be interesting to see if they can hold on to that. Alfa in P8, and the first of the no scorers Hass Haas in P9, despite a strong qualifying from Nico. And McLaren are in P10 after a shocker of a weekend. We'll move on to scoring points in a different world, and a fantasy world at that. Our F1 Fantasy League is back. We've all got teams in the pot and the podcast itself has teams in the pot as well. Um, so we'll give a rundown of how our teams have done and who is leading the fantasy standings. And it's going to at underscore Francisco Rhodes. Um, he's currently in Bay, currently in P1 uh, with 295 points. Out of the lot of us, Ellie May currently leads P5 259 points with EMT Racing. I'm... I
1: don't know how I did that because I've got both Nico Hulkenberg and Nick De Vries in my team. So,
0: <laughs> who else have you got in that team and who's the double?
1: Uh, So the double was Max Verstappen.
0: Well, There you go then.
1: <laughs> Fernando Alonso. Oh, so you've uh, got two off ba- the podium. Valkyrie Bottas.
0: Scored points, and did then, nicely.
1: And then I have Red Bull and Aston Martin as my team's
0: so both teams that appeared on the podium. No wonder you have got 259 <laughs> points. Try not to sound smug about it. I'm in P3 with mid-beds racing. Uh, P8, 227 points. Then what the first of the podcast teams this year. Um, my neck, Mike Crack in P12 with 200 points. Uh, Daddy's Cash, another one of the podcast ones. P17 with 180 points. Surprise that one's doing as well as it is, really. Um, Jaffa Cake Racing, another one of mine. P19, 171 points. On the Curbs, P21, 154 points. Nitro rx podcast p27 97 points the underdog experiment this is your second team isn't it ellie may um yes. clearly proving to be very much an experiment p30 with 69 points my third team brt yamaha p31 57 points and i think rounding out the bottom of the the series is our sort of complete mix and match um sort of absolutely mid-tier team from the podcast just entitled please subscribe in p33 with 18 points timo anything to add
2: I've started as I mean to continue.
0: Badly. Yep. Beautiful. That is all we have time for on this week's episode. Join us again soon when we'll be reviewing the feeder series Bahrain Grand Prix. And we'll also have an exclusive interview with feeder series commentator Alex Brundle. That will be coming out sometime in the next week, hopefully for the weekend. And uh, make sure you've liked, subscribed and got notifications turned on so you do not miss anything. If you want more from the three of us, Timo, where can the people find you?
2: I can be found over on Is It Fast, on the Curbs, the NitroRx podcast, Paddock Sorority, and of course, Instagram.
0: Beautiful. Ellie Mae, where can the people find you?
1: I can be found co-running the Instagram page and on the TikTok account.
0: Excellent. And if you want more of me, you can find me across Instagram and Twitter as at Cars, and you can also find the podcast on Twitter as well if you want to go find what we're moaning about at any given point in time. And you can also find more of my work in Classic Car Weekly. Tomorrow, or at least the day after recording, I'm off to go and pretend to be James Bond in a Lotus Esprit. So, very fun.
2: Hopefully this one doesn't blow up on you.
0: Hopefully this one doesn't blow up on me. I don't drive it off a pier near Corsica, Oh, was it Sardinia? Corsica, Sardinia. 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 Oh, um, what happens to? Or you
1: run out of fuel.
0: That does happen a lot when I'm doing car tests with Classic (laughs) Car Weekly. That happens. Don't run
2: out of fuel. fuel. Don't drive off a pier. Don't hit the window with a hammer or a gun. And if it's red, then don't take it to Semarit.
0: Or do because I might meet BB. um, Was it BB Dull, Wasn't it? Was that? Really yes. sexually aggressive yes. character <laughs> although it fits in nicely with the fact that I've been kink shaming you all podcast long so perfectly rounds out this episode of the Undercut podcast thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again shortly